Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at the scriptures for the week of Trinity Sunday. Now, last week, we looked at the week of the day of Pentecost. And what's the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost is an Old Testament feast day, one of the major feast days. But it's a very important feast day in the life of the church because it's the birthday of the church. Whereas I said last week, the Holy Spirit came down on the 120 gathered. This is in Acts chapter 2. Came down and emboldened and empowered those people with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And that was translated into the extraordinary ministry that we see in the book of Acts. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, to wait for the Holy Spirit, which they did. They obeyed the Lord. Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And they waited, and the Holy Spirit came down. Now, the week after Pentecost is called Trinity Sunday. And so we are looking at proper four and the week of Trinity Sunday. Next week, we'll be looking at proper five, which will be the second Sunday after Pentecost, and it'll go third Sunday after Pentecost, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. As I said last week, this is the second half of the church calendar, the first half being Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, and Pentecost, and then we go the Sundays after Pentecost, the weeks after Pentecost. You know, you'll notice in your program, we have Deuteronomy 11 and 12 and 13, Deuteronomy 16 and 17, Deuteronomy 26, and Deuteronomy 29 to read. We have 2 Corinthians 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 to read. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And then we continue our study of Luke, Luke 17, Luke 18. And we will be looking at all those texts for this week. And I pray that you'll have a wonderful week of reading and reflection and prayer. Well, let's go right into it. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. And this is very familiar with what we said last week in Deuteronomy 4. Love the Lord your God. Keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. That assumes in, in keeping his decrees and his commands that you know what they are. So know what the commands are. Keep the commands. Love God. How often should I do this? Always. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, his majesty, his right hand, his outstretched arms, all the signs that he did. This is what he did in, uh, in the heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh and the whole country, what he did to the Egyptian army. So he's telling you in those next several verses, this is what God is like. This is what he does. This is how powerful he is. Okay? Observe verse 8. Therefore, all the commands I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Do what God has called you to do and that you'll live long, verse 9, in the land that the Lord your God swore to your forefathers. Verse 12, it is a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. So, verse 13, chapter 11, if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today, Hear the commands, to love the Lord your God, serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then I'm going to do this. Basically, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bless you. Here he talks about sending rain in the season, providing grass, 
for the uh, field for the cattle. You will eat and be satisfied. Be careful, verse 16, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. I don't want you serving other gods. Remember Deuteronomy 5, 10 commandments. Know the gods before me. Don't make any idols. Don't make any idols. Don't put any uh, gods before me. Now, fix these words of mine. This is great advice for all of us. Fix these words of mine. Verse 18 of chapter 11. In your hearts and your minds, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk down the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Great advice for all of us, even to this day. Chapter 12. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, verse 4, but you're to seek the place that your Lord your God will choose you from among all the tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. So he's talking about the, um, in those first four ver several verses, um, you are not to uh, follow the gods of other nations because obviously they're in the edge of the Jordan, they're going west in the land of Israel that God has given them. And the places that are occupied by foreign nations are not of the Lord. So they cannot mingle and mix with them. Okay. They cannot adapt their practices or their gods for sure. Okay, You are not to do as we did here today, verse 8, everyone as he sees fit, since you've not reached the resting place and the inheritance of the Lord your God has given you. But you will cross the Jordan and you will settle in the land your Lord will get, your God has given you as an inheritance. And then he's going to give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you can live in safety. So, their success in taking over the land that God has given them is predicated on them obeying the Israelites, obeying the word of the Lord, and doing what God says. Let's look at chapter 13, 1 through 11. The Lord your God is testing you. It is the Lord your God you must follow, verse 14, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Back to that again. He's teaching us what are his commands, do what they are, serve him and hold fast to him. Look what he says at the end of verse 5. Purge the evil from among you. So we are to deal with our sins on a regular daily basis. We are to deal with our sins. And um, Colossians 3, 5, it says to put to death your sinful nature. Okay. Uh, do not move toward the flesh. Move according to the Spirit, Romans chapter 8. Follow the Lord your God. Keep his commands. Obey him. He is the one that you should serve. So as you're reading chapter 11, you're reading chapter 12, you're reading chapter 13, very important just to follow the practices and what God wants us to do, what he's called the Israelites to do. Chapter 16, 18 through 20. Chapter 16, 18. Now he's talking about appointing judges, follow justice and justice alone. It's important to live in a just way. Not lying, not cheating, not stealing. Chapter 17, 14 to 20, he talks about the king. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, verse 18, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the priests who are Levites. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully 
all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers and turn from the law to the right or the left. When the king gets in that position, which of course they later had with Saul, David, and Solomon, and then the kingdom split into the northern and southern kingdom, learn the ways of the Lord. Follow the ways of the Lord your God. Do not think of yourself better than someone else. Good advice. Deuteronomy 26. So we skipped 26, as you see in your program. It talks about first fruits and tithes. God brought us to this place, verse 9, and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord will give you. The key is to give out of your abundance the Lord the first, the tithe, the 10%. That's where this idea of giving is, uh, comes from in terms of us giving to our churches. We give the first fruits of the soil to the Lord in thanksgiving for what God has done. This is 26, 1 through 11. And then finally, Deuteronomy 29, 2 to 15. Deuteronomy 29, 2 to 15. Let's look at verse 1. These are the terms of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab in addition to the covenant we had made with him at Horeb. So he summoned the Israelites and said to them, Okay? Carefully follow the terms of the covenant, verse 9, so that you may prosper in everything you do. What is the covenant? What am I supposed to do? What does it mean? If, if I understand what it means and I understand what I'm supposed to do, then I go and then I do it. And it is crucial that I do that. So he makes lots of references to Egypt. He makes lots of references to himself and helping them understand why he's asking them to do these things. Enjoy the book of Deuteronomy. It is great reading. We continue our work and our reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We finished with a pretty strong scripture last week in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Remember that one? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's You want to be ready. You want to be ready for the Lord God. Chapter uh, 5, 11 through 6, 2. For Christ's love compels us, in verse 14, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again. So we're not here to live for ourselves. We are to live for the Lord who died for us and was raised from the dead. We are not here to live for ourselves. We are to live for the Lord. Great scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.15. Verse 17, very famous scripture. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Verse 19, chapter 5. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You and I have the message of reconciling people back to God. We cannot do that ourselves. We need the power of God and the leading of the Spirit to do that. But that's our ministry. We are therefore God's Christ's ambassadors. You're an ambassador of Christ if you are in Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus became sin for us. He took our sin. We got his righteousness. And now we are the righteousness of God, completely undeserving of no merit on our part at all, based on the compassion and mercy and grace and love of God for us. When should we be saved? When is the day of salvation? 2 Corinthians 6.2 gives us the answer. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Do not be yoked with unbelievers. Chapter 6, verse 14. And you notice that that is in parentheses through verse 7-1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence to God. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Those things that contaminate, those things that are sinful, those things that are wrong, we want them purified, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 2 Corinthians 7, 2-16. Verse 10 is beautiful. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. We need to have godly sorrow. We need to repent of our sins. You've heard me say that many times. That repentance leads to salvation, and there's no regret. But just worldly sorrow, and not godly sorrow, will not save you. We need to have godly sorrow, true repentance, a sorrow for our sins, asking God for, to, for forgiveness. He will forgive us, but really meaning that, turning away from our sins and following the Lord. Enjoy chapter 7 and all that chapter 7 has to offer us. Chapter 8, you know, verse 9, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich and he was super abundant rich, what did he do? Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. So here's a rich person giving up for a poverty person, that's us, making us rich and him poor. So we get the riches of God in Christ, and he becomes poor, so that through his poverty you and I might become rich. What an extraordinary teaching that is. What an extraordinary teaching. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Read verses 1 through 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 16 to 24, continues on with Titus and his journey to Corinth. And again, a very personal way that Paul is ministering to the people in Corinth. And so you see doctrine, you see the humanity of Paul, you he tells us how he wants us to live. So there's an ethic to the teaching, there's a doctrine to the teaching, there's a humanity to the teaching, there's things that he needs to clear up and things that he needs to do. Very beautiful, very powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 1-15. to Remember this, verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. I want you to reap generously. You're not going to reap generously if you sow sparingly, if you're stingy, if you keep it stuffed to yourself. You need to be 
generous in your giving, and you need to give. And of course, we talk about giving to the church where God has called you. Each person should give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So you want to have a positive attitude about giving. Now, that's not an easy thing to do because most people like to keep their money. So what he's saying is, be generous, sow generously, reap generously. Do not sow generously just so you can reap generously. Sow generously because that's what's in your heart. And you should give cheerfully. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and at all times, verse 8, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God's going to take care of you. But if you're stingy, you keep money to yourself, you don't help other people, you're not helping the church, then you're, you're going to reap poorly. It's not going to go well for you. I do not advise it. If, and, but God is the one that's going to able, is able to make all grace abound to you. So you'll have everything you need. But if he withdraws his grace because we are cheap and we are tight and we are not generous and we are not uh, willing to give up our resources, which are God's anyway, that's not going to be a good thing for us. So be generous in every way that you can be, okay? Very, very important. Let's look at the book of Luke. Now, much to say about 2 Corinthians and Deuteronomy, lots of scriptures there, long passages. Take your time, enjoy them, and enjoy what God is saying to you and listen very closely to what he's saying to you about the scriptures and be open to them. Now, in chapter 17 in Luke, as you see in your program on Monday, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Verse 3, watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. We have to forgive people. It's part of the gospel. I don't want to hear about any excuses, neither does Jesus, or why you didn't, or what the circumstances are. He's calling us to forgive. He's calling us to repentance. He's calling us to love. Remember, love your enemies, chapter 5 of, of Matthew. We are to Ask God to give us, enable us to forgive, no matter what. Chapter 17, 11 to 49, 10 healed of leprosy. Only one comes back. The one is a Samaritan, a despised one. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, verse 16. He thanked Jesus. He was a Samaritan. We're not all cleansed, Jesus said, verse 17. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So the person that Jesus least expected to come back and thank him was the person that came back and thanked him. What happened to the other nine? Brothers and sisters, you want to be a person that forgives? We certainly need to repent of our sins, and we certainly need to thank God. We need to be thankful people. We need to express our thankfulness. Those are three really important themes in the scriptures. Chapter 17, 11 to 19, and now chapter 17, 20 to 37, the coming of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is among you. 
Whoever tries to keep his life, in verse 33, will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. What does that mean? You lose your life for Christ. If you decide to keep your life for yourself and be an entity unto yourself, that you're going to do what you want to do, you're going to lose your life eternally. So you want to give up your life for Christ, and you want to follow Christ. The alternative is you keep your life for yourself, and you follow yourself, your own agenda, what you want to do, etc. Okay? So be generous. Be loving. Be kind. Be merciful. Be forgiving. Be thankful. It's a much better way to live if we'll listen to what Jesus has to say. Okay? Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow. She just hung on in there. Keep, stay with it. Don't give up. Persevere. Keep praying. Keep knocking. 9 to 18, 9 to 14, another great scripture, the Pharisee and the tax collector. What was I saying about repentance? God have mercy on me, a sinner. I can't get better than that. Verse 13, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Own your sin. Own your deprivation. Own your wrongdoing. Don't make excuses. Don't blame someone else. Don't blame the circumstances. I'm the sinner. God forgive me. And he will forgive you. He will forgive you. I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's right there from Jesus' mouth. If you humble yourself from the Lord, he will lift you up. If you humble, exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. Great, great life lesson. Finally, Luke 18, 15 to 30. So there's a lot here. People were bringing babies for Jesus to touch them. The disciples rebuked them. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's worth thinking and praying about. Then there's the, then there's the ruler, the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, who wants to inherit eternal life, and Jesus lists some commandments, and he said, I've kept these since I was a boy. Remember, we looked at the commandments last week, Deuteronomy chapter 5. All right, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. So I'm like, you got treasure in heaven. You're perfectly secure. Come follow me. Now, you expect the next verse to be, sure, ready to go. Here we go, following Jesus. It's not what happened. When he heard this, verse 23, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus didn't go after him. He didn't follow him. He didn't change his, what he had said. He said, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, who can be saved? If this man can't be saved, who can be saved? And he says quite brilliantly, with what is impossible with men is possible with God. You and I cannot save ourselves. It is impossible. Only God can save us. So again, we're back to Deuteronomy 4 and back to Deuteronomy 11. Love the Lord your God. Follow him. Submit to him. Keep his commandments. Revere his commandments. Tell your children about his commandments. Live out his commandments. Live out his ways. Do what he tells you to do. Follow him. Love him. Honor him. We've left all to follow you. Jesus says no one who's left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of kingdom, for the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come, eternal life. 
You're going to receive it in this age. You're going to receive it in eternal life. Well, there are the scriptures for the week of Trinity. Sunday, the proper four-week from Deuteronomy and 2 Corinthians and the Gospel of Luke. Much to think about, much to reflect upon, much to consider. May God bless you in your reading of the scriptures, in your prayer about the scriptures. May he give you time to digest them and to think about them. All of us time to do so. And if there's a need to repentance uh, or a need that God brings up into your life that um, you fall short of the glory of God and you need to confess it, then please do so and receive the forgiveness of the Lord. And remember to forgive your brother or sister no matter how many times they've offended you. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next week for the Daily Office Lectionary.